Thanks for listening to the Community Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Pastor Dan Strutz here. Our desire is to connect people with Christ and community. For more info or to contact us, please visit cbcmountainlake.com. Father God, we thank you this morning that we can gather and that we can pray that it is well with my soul. We cast our eyes upon you this morning and we want to not only sing that and think that, but we want to proclaim that not just in our own lives, but to each other. Lord, for each of us, there are things probably in our life today that we think back and reflect on this last week and we say, it wasn't wrong. And Lord, I ask that through this message and through thinking about you now, that we can continue to remind ourselves that as we turn to your gospel, to the good news, that it can be well or it is well with our souls. Father, thank you this morning that we can gather and worship, and I ask now that as we open your word, Spirit, that you speak to us, through me, that you speak into our lives and our worlds, that we can think on you rightly, and as a church together, that we can grow in you. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice, that it was your going dying and rising, and our confidence that you will come again, that we can say it is well with our souls. Jesus, thanks this morning in your name. Amen. Well, good morning to you, and uh, thanks for worshiping with us today. Uh, I am, it was an exciting thing to worship yesterday for the funeral, and it's a good to join together again today and sing songs and praises to our God and our King, and I hope that today we can do that and continue to do that. Uh, We are in our journey in this series on membership. We're talking about uh, a member of the family uh, being part of a a church or being part of the church, and, and more specifically, being part of a local church. We've looked at this over the past bunch of weeks, and so if you're a visitor or new or you haven't been with us, we've been talking about being a, a family together as a local body. And this is kind of our, our last message in that before we next week start to turn towards Easter. Easter is only three weeks away. Uh, hard to believe, but it's coming, and it will be here soon. We get to rejoice in what Jesus did uh, at Easter. Uh, but we finish up this morning with membership, and this whole idea has been to invite our hearts and our minds into what does it mean to be part of a local church, a family? Especially in light of what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. He talks about us in, in, in the terms of being a body, that we are arms and ears and, and, and hands, and we come together to be this body that wants to be growing together. He's talking to a local congregation when he says that. And for us to be encouraged by that to think. And for many of us, if you've been here, if you've been a member for a long time, the heart is that we are, I'm spurring you on, or God's word is spurring you on towards saying, how do I become a, a better member, a better family member with those who are seated here? And for those of you who are newer or haven't said, yeah, I want to be a member. How do I grow in my commitment? How do I grow in being part of the church? And it's not just by being here. It's not just by giving an offering, we've said. It's by being 
centered in Scripture, being shaped by the God's Word. That's been one of the messages. And, and then in that, as we hear from God, going and being with God in prayer, in His presence, connecting with Him for our own hearts and for those that are around us. And last week we talked about gr- growing as a disciple, growing as one who is continually following with Jesus and learning what it means to walk with Him. And this morning, I want to talk about something that is becoming, that is I think lacking in many churches or, or something that we want to remind ourselves of, and that's being gospel-saturated. That's what you see in front of you, being gospel-saturated Christians. That that's an important part of our membership. That's an important part of what we, we do, that we are, we are saturating ourselves and soaking ourselves in the gospel message, and, and that we're using that to speak to each other that message of hope that we find in Christ and the things that we learn about Him. So this morning, the message is called Gospel Saturated. And when I think about that, the word that comes to mind, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word saturated, but the word that comes to my mind, or the thing that comes to my mind, is a sponge. A a sponge is something that goes from dry to soaking up water till it's saturated, till it's completely full of water, right? Right? You have maybe a, a, a sponge by your kitchen sink that, that, that when you get it wet, it expands and it grows. And, and then when it becomes oversaturated, what? It can't take any more water on and it spills over onto other things. My mind, actually, when I was thinking about sponges, was thinking, I don't know if anyone else had these, but when I was a kid, we had these small capsules or eggs that you put in water. And when you put them in water, they... Something they were they were basically nothing. They were unexciting capsules a, as a kid. Uh, that that when you put them in water as a six year old, you're like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You leave it overnight or whatever, and the capsule around it dissolves, and out pops this sponge that is in the shape of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Anyone have those? Okay, maybe not. I'm all okay. There's some people here that know what I'm talking about. That, that, that's the image that I want us to be thinking about here in terms of a sponge. That, that that capsule, that that water that it sits in dissolves and then it expands that sponge into what it's supposed to be. An awesome dinosaur. The idea there is that that water, that water that changes it, it moves it from nothing and it becomes something. It gains life characteristic, uh, you know, to a six-year-old, that was awesome, okay? Uh, The idea that is there is that the water changes it from nothing to something and then it expands it to its full potential. And I think that we could say that that water is what gives it life. That water is living water, even. There's a story in John, John chapter 4 not my text that we'll go to here, but you can go and look back at John 4 when you get home and read. Many of us know the story of the woman at the well where, where Jesus comes to her, or he sees her, she comes to him rather, at this well, and, and she is going to drink, draw water. And, and what does he say to her? He says, can I have a drink? Jesus says to this woman, can I have a drink? And, and she says, how can you ask me for water? I'm a woman. I'm a Samaritan. How, how can you ask me for water? And Jesus turns to her and says this. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. 
Jesus turns around to this woman who, as we see the story progress, is this broken, uh, lonely, hurting woman. She's, she's going out to draw water from a well when she it won't be noticed. She's had many husbands probably seeking. She's, she's missing relationship, true relationship, and she, she's craving that and going from husband to husband looking for relations. But as the story turns out and she interacts with Jesus, then what happens? She finds out that he is the Messiah. He's the one that they are, uh, that people have been looking for. He's the one that comes to give something that only God can give. And we can say that that living water then changes her. She, she takes on something where, where her brokenness, her loneliness, it disappears, Right? It, it, it goes away and, and dissipates, and we see a totally different lady by the end of the story. She, she's just rejoicing as she runs off to her village, right? The living water has changed her from broken and dead to making her alive, and she's taking on living water so much so that she's now oversaturated, and she runs back to her village, tells others, uh, Jesus told me all that I did, and she brings them back, and they also find out about him living water. And as we are saturated like a sponge, we soak it in, it changes us and it overflows from us. And I think some of us maybe hear that story in John 4 and say, wow, I wish I had faith like that. I wish I had joy like that. I wish my brokenness, my pain would go away like that. Or some of us may say, at one time when I first experienced Christ, I did have joy. I rejoiced in that and I told others about how good God was and what he had done for me. But like a sponge, sometimes we dry out, right? Sometimes that sponge, a sponge, or even that dinosaur sponge uh, grows dry, and at that point it grows, uh, it shrivels up a little bit. It grows crusty. It grows uh, uh, uncomfortable to the senses. You don't want to hold it. It's just not as comfortable, right? The sponge will dry out. The sponge will lose that living water if it's not constantly in the living water. And that's what I want us to be thinking about as we think about being gospel-saturated. Because we forget. We have faith in the beginning when we first hear the gospel, but, but as burdens pile on in life, as hardships follow, continue to go through life, or, or as we feel distant from God, we start to feel as if we're starting to dry out a little bit. Gospel saturated. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, you'll find it on page 823. Again, the context here as Paul is coming to the end of his letter to the Corinthians is he's talking to a church. He's talking to a local church body. And what we know about the church in Corinth is they were a dysfunctional, messed up, just ugly church. They, 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 it talks in there that they're all trying to struggle for for. for power, and they're trying to, to go after different things, and, and they're kind of doing their own thing. It, it even talks in there, Paul calls them out on the fact that, that at the communion table, they're climbing over each other and trying to get all they can, and, and trying to cut in front. So, so the point is that others are going hungry, and some are getting some, and some aren't. There's, there's all sorts of sexual immorality in this church. 
They're using their spiritual gifts for the wrong reason. There's pride. There's all sorts of things. It seems as if the gospel sponge has dried out. They don't have a lot of living water in this church in Corinth. He's even talked to them about saying, you are a body, you need each other, and you are hands and feet with each other, as we've talked about in the series on membership. And, and now he's starting to come down and land his letter to finish his letter off in chapter 15. And what's important to note is where does Paul go after calling out all these problems that he has? He goes towards the gospel. Chapter 15, starting at verse 1. And I'll read through verse 11. Paul says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3, For I delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried and He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve, then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as one untimely born, He appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. But the grace of God, but by the grace of God, I am who I am, and by and His grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though I was not, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so. Again, Paul is talking to this church and trying to drive into him, and where he's going to land his plane is with the gospel. He's saying that for this church, it's so important to be saturated in the gospel message. What does he say? I would remind you, verse 1. I would remind you who? He says, brothers. He's counting these, these guys as Christians, as ones who are in the faith. They are part of his, his brotherhood. They, they aren't out there in the world. They have been saved. He's calling them brothers, as in he believes that they've come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And yet he's saying, I would remind you. I want you to be reminded of this gospel that I preach. And what is he saying? He's trying to say, you need to hear the gospel again and again and again all the time. To that church, it was important for them to hear the gospel, to be reminded of it. And he talks about the gospel that which is preached, the gospel that was proclaimed, the gospel that was spoken. And at that point, we can start to say, well, what is the gospel that Paul would have preached? What are the things that we count as gospel? He goes on and starts to talk that it's 
Christ that he died for our sins. That, that in Christ, our payment for our brokenness, our sin, is complete. That it's, it's done. That Jesus was buried. That he, he died the death that we deserved. That we, in our rebellion and our sin, we owed that. And he took that for us. And through that, he brought life. He conquered the grave, brought us out. He was raised from the dead. And Jesus brings life out of death, we hear. And then he appeared to all those around him, all sorts. Paul even says there are some who are still alive today. Go check with them. Jesus came alive. He was around. And what he's saying is Jesus said he was going to do this. And so we can believe that what Jesus says, he will make good on his promises. And that he showed grace to Paul. Grace to that isn't deserved to Paul, he says, I receive that grace. I am a benefactor of this gospel message. So what is the gospel? Because these things that I just spoke of, oftentimes we know that is the gospel, but we put them in terms of of what we need to tell a non-Christian, what we need to tell someone who who doesn't know Jesus yet. And we we say in a, a, you know, just pray this prayer or, or say this thing, and that's the gospel, and then you can believe. And And there's a truth to that, that for a first time, for someone that's not yet a Christian, they need to hear that. They need to put their trust in that. But Paul is speaking to believers, and he's saying, you need to hear these things again. You need to remind yourselves and be soaked in the rich goodness of this message. A message that asks the question, the gospel, who is God? God is the creator. God is the one who created us so that we could worship him. And yet we, in our rebellion, in our desire to distance ourselves, we don't trust him. We walk away from him time and time again. We fall away. We experience death apart from him. We're broken and alone. That's who I am. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I'm I'm distant from God. And yet God sent his son. He loved us. We'll celebrate that in his coming his death on Good Friday, and then his resurrection at Easter. We'll celebrate what God did for us. And in light of us, in light of that, we now look differently in this life. We we walk through this life reminding ourselves how God sees us, what God has done for us. All these things are part of the gospel message, that Jesus came, died, was buried, rose is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again. And again, what we need to hear is that that's not just a message for coming to Christ for the first time. But that is a message that we need to remind ourselves every single day. Because the reality is, is that we are not, we are, as we walk through life, we will dry out in the things that are of life. We may be saved, we may know where our eternal destiny is, but on a daily basis, each of us, we are faced with decisions where we experience death, where we experience things in our sin and our brokenness, where the sponge starts to dry out. We need to resaturate ourselves with that. What do I mean by we experience in our brokenness these things where we experience death, pain, all these types of things? One example is you might be a parent, 
You could have a parent, a child that's this tall, or you can have a fully grown kid. And that kid might say to you, I hate you. You don't love me. I, 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 I don't like you, your child might say to you. And inside, you feel the death of that. You feel the death in that and, and the guilt that you may own in that is saying, I'm a bad parent. Or you look to them and say, they're a terrible sinner. You either take death on yourself or you put death on them and, and you put judgment on them. So what's the gospel message in that? As you're sitting there saying, I'm a bad parent or they're a terrible sinner. In the first case, what you need to hear, the gospel is a reminder that in Christ, I have a new identity. I, I am no longer in my sin. I am no longer weak, but God sees me as his child, adopted, loved, a new creation. I no longer need to see myself as a bad parent, but I am accepted by God. On the flip side, when you cast judgment and you say they're just a terrible child, I hope none of you say that, but you might think that, that we remind ourselves the gospel says, I also am a sinner, and yet God loved me. That we think in terms of gospel, based on what Jesus did, and based on the truth of the gospel, and what Jesus has done and is doing now, we now say, I'm not the judge, Jesus is the judge, and I love them. might be a farmer that looks out at your field and it's not yielding what you want. We might be bummed about it, but yet we remind ourselves that our identity isn't just in our work, but our identity is in Christ. You, you might be in a place where, where you are struggling with debt and, and you say, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. And there's a, a real aspect to that, but yet you sit there and remind yourself that in richness, as, as you're, you're suffering under a burden, that God came and took a burden for you first, and, and you go forward and believe that and respond in light of the gospel to it. There's a whole host of other things, and I've talked to some of you about these, that it's not just saying, I want my problem to go away, but what we need to hear is gospel truths that help remind us about what Jesus has done in our new reality. We need to saturate ourselves in the gospel. So Paul talks about this. He reminds us this, and he says to these things that, that the gospel message, the thing that you're reminded of, that you need to hear again and again and again is the gospel. And he says that it's not just for life when you're first saved, but that verse 2, and if you're underlining in your Bible, look and underline that. He says, this gospel message which I preach to you, it's the gospel message which you are being saved by if you hold to the word I preach to you. He's suggesting that as we grab hold of those gospel messages, as we look at the gospel and we remind ourselves of what Jesus did, you, you may sit there and say, does anyone love me? And then you remind yourself, oh yes, Jesus loved me and sent his, he came to die for me. I am loved. And it helps you get through the day. 
Paul wants the church to be reminded of that. He wants them to be saturated in that, and that's why again and again we need to go back to this book. We need to go back and be shaped, like we talked about before, be shaped by this book. We go back to prayer, as we talked about, and we remind ourselves in prayer and say, God, I I believe this truth. Help me to grow in this. Help me to be saved by your gospel again today in this moment. following Jesus, who is the one who lived that life, a gospel-centered life, trusting in the Father, walking with the Father, and going all the way to the cross for us. We follow after him as disciples. So this morning, I want to give us five things, and they're going to be probably quick. Five things that we, as members, need to be saturated in the gospel for, or we need to consider, and these would be the things to write down that good members, good church members, for the sake of themselves and for the sake of the body, five things that we must take on. First, is members grow in knowing the gospel. We must grow in knowing the gospel. For some of us, we think that the gospel, again, is just some, some, a prayer that you pray. That the gospel is some facts uh, that, that happened at Easter. But the gospel is also what is true now in the fact of if we put our faith in Him, there is a fact that we are new creations, that we are, are adopted, that we are children, that we have a new identity. All these wonderful things that God loves us, that God hates sin, that God is, is going to come again. All these things are part of the gospel and we need to be rehearsing those messages in our head and we need to know it and digest it and saturate ourselves in it. So that when we walk through this life, that that's what's guiding us and shaping us. That that's the thing that gives us life, even when we start to dry out. Second, we need to admit that we forget the gospel, or we don't believe in the gospel in certain things that we forget or that we're not believing the gospel. And I think this is an important point for us to remember. Again, if we just shrink the gospel down to just being something you think of or you say and believe and it gets you salvation, what we need to remember is that daily we're faced with these decisions of, do I believe the gospel? Do I believe truths about God? And it wasn't just Corinth that had this problem. Uh, Paul goes after, in in Galatians chapter 1, he even says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. The reality is, is that daily there are things trying to distract us and pull us away from the gospel of Christ and towards other things, anything else. All your self-help books oftentimes are are focused on on helping you, that that you gain help, that you self-help without Jesus. Those things can pull us away from the reality that, that if I just be a better person, if I just try harder, if I just do this, this, and this, these pragmatic things, then I will be better. But we need to go back and say, no, if that's what I'm buying into, it's me forgetting that Jesus is my help alone. 
that Jesus is the thing that saves me, that his gospel is that he loves me, he cares for me, that I have a new identity in him. We forget all the time the gospel message. We forget that God loves us. Yes, we may say that. We might verbalize it. But do we let that trans go in here? Do we actually believe and hear that God loves us, that the gospel is good news, that, that, that our sins are forgiven, or do we live in them? It's important for us in this point to admit, first off, that we forget, that we don't believe at times, that we neglect the gospel and we drift off putting our hope in other things besides him. Which leads us to wanting to desire to hear the gospel. That we should desire to hear the gospel. This third point. The, go- the goal is that we remind ourselves again and again that like that sponge which has once soaked up water and is saturated, that over time as we forget the gospel we will start to dry out, shrivel up. And so we should desire to hear the gospel. And that comes through the word but that also comes from gathering together as believers. That, that even here in this room, when we gather on Sundays, you should desire hearing the gospel from me, or from whoever's up here. If you aren't hearing from the gospel from me, then you should be saying, get off the stage and go home. Because part of the reason we come here on Sundays is not to just get some good message, feel-good message, but to be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he has done, finished. And that we remind ourselves that we put our hope in him for our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That when hard things are out there, we will hear the gospel here that we can walk out and remind ourselves of them for tomorrow. You should desire to hear the gospel from here, but you should also desire to hear the gospel from each other. I think one of the characteristics, if we draw this back to membership, is the, the fact that we should come and be with people who are going to speak gospel into our life. We should desire to surround ourselves with people that will look to us and remind us about what, what God has done for us. We don't want to surround ourselves with just saying, oh, it'll be okay, don't worry about it but people who will challenge us to say, no, remember what Jesus did? Remember what Jesus said, that that he will never leave you or forsake you, and right now you feel alone? Remember that Jesus said he's with you? We need those kind of people in our lives. Not just, oh, I'll pray for you. We need people that will sharpen us. And we should desire to hear the gospel from the brothers who are around us, just like Paul was looking to this church and saying, I want to tell you the gospel. I want to remind you of it so that you can be saved from your brokenness and your pain today. Fourthly, we need to apply the gospel. We need to apply the gospel, which by this I mean that we we take the gospel to its full conclusion. That we, we look into our lives and we hear gospel message. We, we sh- look to, where does this apply to my life? Where is a place that I might not be leaving this? If I hear that God is never going to leave me or forsake me, what does that mean? Where in my life may I not be trusting Him in that? Where might I not be believing that message of the gospel? 
It might be in my work, that, that in my work, I, I, I think that I just got to do it on my own, and I'm not going at my work and trusting that he's there with me. It might be in my family as, I, as, I'm, as I'm parenting and I'm, I'm trying to think about these things and I, and I forget God loves me, God's with me. And, and I, in my parenting, I, I try to do it without Him. Applying the gospel means, no, what does it mean that God is with me as I'm doing the regular thing of life? As I experience brokenness and pain or as I, as I think, go through my day, how do I apply this message into life and say, it makes a difference for how I'm living. I think of Romans chapter 12, when Paul talks about going and being renewed in our mind, that this gospel, we're renewing our mind on the things of our day-to-day, and we're looking to the gospel to inform us about that, whatever it is in your life. Fourthly, we should, or fifth, Members should speak the gospel to each other. Members should speak the gospel to each other. Here at the church, my hope, my wish is that we aren't just speaking about, and I say this again and again, we aren't just speaking about the daily grind or the daily whatevers, but that we're speaking gospel into each other's lives to sharpen each other. That we're speaking truth about Jesus things that we're learning about Him and reminding ourselves about Him, and we're speaking that and inserting that into our conversation. For some of us, we don't do that because we haven't been thinking about the gospel enough. The reason that we haven't, we don't speak the gospel is because we're the sponge who's dried up. And so I'm trying to say, let us saturate ourselves and, and draw and encourage each other and put living water into each other's worlds, speaking gospel truths to one another. So that we can grow together. So that we can become stronger in the body together. So that we can glorify God more. So that in our troubles and our hardships throughout this life, that, that like Paul who's encouraging this group and, and saying, you guys, if you're grasping the gospel, if you go to the gospel as I am going to the gospel, he is going to help in these struggles. He's going to help in this conflict. He's going to help in these places where you guys have dried up. to speak the gospel to each other. When things are are tough, when things are hard, what we need not to hear from each other, especially in the church, is, oh, just try harder. Or how dare you mess up again? Or how 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 could you do that? Or or, or what's going you know, we, we don't need to hear things that are on not gospel. We need to hear Jesus, his grace, his goodness. Be reminded of that. We need to speak those to each other. We need to speak them to the world. It's not just that we speak them to each other, but as we become saturated in gospel truth, the reminder of what Jesus did, we overflow. And we spill out onto the world around us. We spill out into those who are dry, like that woman at the well, who are experiencing brokenness, pain, shame. As we speak it with each other, we're going to be encouraged to speak it to the world. So this morning, my goal is at least just to remind us of how much we need 
this gospel message today. How much we need to look to this hope that Paul had to remind ourselves that the gospel isn't just to save us when we said a prayer when we were in the water program. It's not just something that we said at some point in our life or believed one time, but it's something that day in and day out, God wants us to be living in, thinking on, and taking our daily struggle today and tomorrow with Him and using the gospel as the power which leads to salvation, Paul says. We don't need to try harder. We don't need to just put more oomph into it. We need the gospel to change our hearts so that we can experience that living water. I wrote this note down just as Lindsay was singing that song too again. How do we sit there and say it is well with our soul? Not just so that when we have a funeral like we did yesterday and we celebrate a life lived 112 years old and, and say this person knows where they're going, they're going to heaven, uh, that's, that is part of the gospel and that's how, what gives us confidence in this life. But in our day-to-day things, the things that are hard, the things that are difficult, the things that get us, how do we say it as well with our soul in those things? And the message is the gospel. Jesus' work, not ours. Jesus is adopting us, his reign over us, all those things that make us turn and say that even in the difficult times, it is well with my soul. My prayer is that we can say that more and more and that we can encourage each other in that with what's going on in our lives and we can encourage each other to think on that and dwell in those things. close out our talk on membership, I want us to see the body as really God's tool for doing this and building each other up. We're not meant to do this on our own. This gospel message is to be spoken with each other and we are to grow in it together. And I hope we're encouraged in that. To say, what can I do? God, what, what's the truth? How do you have me? Why do you have me here? So that I can help saturate this community this group with gospel so we can all say it as well as our soul. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning that you didn't just come to save us for the sake of getting us into eternity. And then leave us on our, lo- our lonesome just to kind of do life on our own and try to figure it out and grin and bear it until we go to be with you. But Lord, you give us a power, a gospel hope for our struggles today. And Lord, we admit that we forget it. We turn from you, we forget you. We don't believe things that are in your word about you. you've left us with the Spirit, you've left us with the Helper who continues to remind us 
And we ask, Lord, that we can be reminded of the truth of the gospel and apply it and live it out in hardships and difficulties and our darknesses. Lord, this morning I pray for these people that we don't just need self-help. We need Jesus' help. We need gospel help to give us living water so that we can be saturated in you and fully yield to our energy. The potential that glorifies and honors you, that lives by 